0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special free preview of season two of Blab Bout Batman, the animated series. I am one of your hosts, Crime Alley Landlord Bob Mackie, who is here with me today, as always.
1: It's uh, the Dr. Leslie Tompkins of the podcast, Henry Yelberry. That's hey. right. He's
0: helping us heal, everybody. <laughs> and in case you weren't aware, last year in 2021, we kicked off and Bout Batman, which is our podcast about Batman, the animated series. We did a season of that in 2021, and now we're back in 2022 doing eight new episodes of and Bout Batman, and you're going to... Hear a little preview of one of the episodes after this intro but if you want to hear the whole thing you have to sign up at the five dollar level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons
1: that's right every friday until the end of 2022 you're getting a new episode of blabbing about batman the animated series and uh, we have so many cool episodes coming your way let me name them all for you we've got it's never too late the clock king perchance to dream harley and ivy read my lips Harlequinade, Over the Edge, and Legends of the Dark Knight all classics hand chosen by me and Bob
0: and if you sign up for $5 a month at patreon.com slash talking simpsons you can hear them all as they go live throughout the end of 2022 you'll also get to listen to season 1 of Black and Batman and all of our past miniseries, including uh, Talking Futurama Talking of the Hill Talking Mission Hill and Talking Critic and that $5 level also gets you access to monthly new episodes of Talking Futurama and Talking of the Hill as well as early access to episodes of Talking Simpsons it's a good deal folks and it's what <laughs> Batman would want
1: uh, yes at Patreon dot com slash talking simpsons. There is a ton of cool stuff there. Also, you know, if you're tempted by this stuff, you should know at the $10 premium level, we have also covered a couple of Batman animated classics as well. Our very first What A Cartoon Movie was Batman Mask of the Phantasm, a huge favor for me and Bob. Then we also did Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. That was also a ton of fun. And hey, if you also like all this comic book stuff, we've covered stuff like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse there too. Over four years of What A Cartoon Movies at that premium level at patreon.com slash talk Simpsons.
0: That's it for our little intro. Now, please enjoy our little preview of season two of Blab and Bout Batman, the animated series. <laughs> So let's get on to this episode. So we've mentioned uh, the writer of this episode, David Wise, in season one. Also, Kevin Altieri. We have not talked about this animation studio on this podcast, and that is Sunrise. Mm. And I believe uh, we probably did a bio on Sunrise when we did a Gundam Wing episode of um, what, a cartoon? Or maybe the original Gundam? I forget. We
1: did both of them. Definitely for Mobile Suit Gundam, I did, like, the origin of Sunrise kind of thing. But only up to... The launch of Gundam, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. But- I, I
0: think we briefly talked about them because we covered uh, his Silicon Soul. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sunrise, uh, they animated uh, Heart of Steel 1 and 2. I believe it's called Heart of Steel?
1: I think so, yeah. Yeah, something
0: yeah. like that. Whatever. It's the uh, Hardack episode. Uh, and Silicon Soul is the follow-up too, though. So we mentioned them briefly. Uh, But to recap, uh, just to go over this again, we talked about this in the Big O uh, podcast as well. So some people involved in the production of the Sunrise Batman episodes likely went on to create the anime series The Big O. Or maybe just the presence of Batman at their studio inspired people. There's no way to know because all we have is animation services by Mm -hmm. Sunrise. And that's it. Because the apocryphal story is The Big O made by people who made Batman. Not not true, really. (laughs) It's sort of like... In uh, As of this recording, it's like, oh, my God, uh, the Simpsons Death Note parody. The same people who made Death Note made that. Not really. People that did in-betweening For Death Note and 30,000 other shows yeah, did a fine yeah. job on that. But it's not like the Death Note people were flown into Burbank and animated that entire parody.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, it was like a sub-studio of a sub-studio, really. Which, like, but, Dr. Movie. But they but Dr. Movie did a great job. I don't want to say they didn't. Like They did a great job with you know, a very difficult thing of, uh, for something that'll be seen in American prime time, like probably with very exacting standards on them. I think they did a great job, but yeah, I, I know you mean sunrise technically, you know, they did animate Batman, but their, their output on, on a few episodes of Batman is an asterisk in their work everywhere else but empiric and say. there's
0: like seven years between batman and big o or six mm-hmm. years or something like that there's a big gulf of time
1: though this does have the feel of a big o episode of like a weirdo shows up yeah and, and then disappears just as strangely
0: but batman does not get into a giant robot mm-hmm. uh sunrise was actually dropped from the series along with acom because the producers were not happy with their work i understand acom we're actually going to get to an acom episode next week and i know why they dropped acom But they're crazy for dropping Sunrise. (laughs) This episode looks great, and I love all of their stuff. Mainly, uh, I guess it could be a tiny bit inconsistent, but the highs are very, very high. Uh, Higher than anything ACOM could put out.
1: Yeah, I mean, is it as good as TMS or Spectrum? Like, no, not not on their best day. But I think it's still one of their better ones. Maybe, you know, I heard them uh, not about Sunrise on commentaries, but I've definitely heard them say that they think that they... When I say they, Bruce, Tim, or other producers say they are always wary that they pay Sunrise prices and then they find out Sunrise uh, or some other studio subcontracts to somebody else on top of that. Perhaps they were suspicious of that. I'm not sure. But I mean, definitely when you're Sunrise and you're working on major franchises like Gundam even in the early 90s Batman isn't your top priority you know
0: you've got a lot of uh, bigger fish to fry Mm -hmm. and just some basic sunrise facts we covered this in previous podcasts but founded in 1972 by former members of uh, Osamu Tezuka's Mushi Productions and Sunrise is actually basically a dozen studios, so it's very, very big. They made things in the 90s like, um, well, Gundam has existed since 1970s, but all the Gundam series, uh, 90s hits like Escaflowne, uh, Cowboy Bebop, of course, and then Studio Bones was formed out of uh, some folks who left Sunrise to make their own studio. Now, Sunrise, like most things in Japan, owned by Bandai Namco and now called <laughs> uh, Bandai Namco Filmworks.
1: Oh, man, that's sad. I didn't know Sunrise was called that now that's sad. yeah i mean it makes sense for bandai they're like we make all the money off these gundam models we should just own gundam and the thing that makes gundam
0: yes you make the animated toy commercials we should own you i don't understand why we don't
1: <laughs> oh gundam is uh, smarter than a toy i mean it is a toy commercial yes but, uh, <laughs> so was the big O. that was yeah. the
0: original intent we're going to have a different giant robot in every episode that people can buy mm. but the creator said let's make this more like intellectual and <laughs> philosophical and heady
1: you know, it's like the Transformers movie in that way too. Yeah.
0: absolutely in no way is it like Transformers <laughs> movie. I'm still trying to forget. Uh, but this episode, I am the one who chose this one. We'll talk about our own intentions throughout the series. I chose this one, it almost made the cut for the first season. Uh it was a very strong contender. And it's actually uh, one of my wife's favorite episodes, Nina Matsumoto. And it's going live on her birthday. Whoa! So everyone wish Nina a happy birthday today. Happy
1: birthday, Nina.
0: But as I said before in previous episodes, I love uh, Batman stories that just start with a guy. Mm -hmm. And here's another one where just a guy doing stuff for about six minutes. And you're like, where does Batman come in? (laughs) And it turns out to be a great story that Batman is remotely involved
1: in. Yeah, I really... I really like this one too. This was always on the cusp of a pick for me too. So I was glad when you picked it, it was like right outside of my pick of four for this eight. And uh, yeah, I remember watching this when it debuted and just got, like being enthralled by it. Cause it was a character I'd never heard of before. He's not one of the famous, you know rogue gallery of batman and they make the story so compelling like it's it's hard not to especially you know both both me and you, I think, really respond to a guy who like has his has his, uh, very specific way of doing things and doesn't like when it's upset.
0: I relate to this attempted murderer. As an anxious nerd who enjoys being on time, I have told friends, I told you to meet me at 3.45. <laughs> yes. Now uh, you die. Yes. No, I mean... Uh, no, I, friendships have ended and relationships have ended because people were habitually late. And I, um, I cannot... I, I don't stand for it, folks. You
1: can't abide it. Yes. No, uh, yeah, I mean, also, I... The thing that really uh, I liked about him, too, was not just like the punctuality, but also that he can't relax or also the I have a way of thinking, too, of like the one time he relaxes ever is his downfall. And he's probably thinking like, oh, why did I listen to somebody who told me to relax? I should have been constantly vigilant and stuck to my schedule.
0: And I think it's also about capitalism, not as uh, you know explicitly as the Riddler episode, but it does show that. You uh, one screw up and you're ruined in society like the, the slate is wiped clean every day. Nothing you did before matters. You need to perform that day to prove that you deserve to be paid. And that's it. So I feel like there's a hint of, you know, it's he's undone by capitalism. Ultimately, that's my Marxist reading of The Clock King. Thank you. <laughs>
1: uh, and I mean, well, like he lives by the sword and dies by the sword because he is Mr. Efficiency. He uh, he builds a system that then destroys him, but he can't blame the system. He blames the mayor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and yeah, I mean, later in life, I'd I'd learn about the Clock King and like the comic book Clock King is nothing like this Clock King at all.
0: And we'll talk about him when uh, this guy becomes the Clock King. I have a little bio, but I'm sure you know more than me, Henry, about well, this guy.
1: Well, you know, I also see this as like them picking out like, okay, every episode can't be the famous guys let's pick out one of the weirdos and uh you know he's not as silly as say he's close to as silly as the condiment king uh who then would (laughs) get a cartoon later yeah Uh, but but not as silly Uh, but they found a way to give him like a tragic backstory like mr freeze which is just awesome i think my only real issue with this episode i think is that like i think the plotting could just be a little better also like Robin should be in this, not Alfred. That's my other problem with this Mm. episode. I think uh, he should be... uh, I think they wrote an episode where it should be a sounding board for Batman saying things. It should be Robin replying to him. Batman getting, like, chauffeured around uh, all day by in the daylight by by Alfred, that feels a little off to me.
0: I like Alfred more than Robin, though.
1: Aw, oh, come on. Robin's cool. Nah,
0: get him out of the show. <laughs> He's lucky he doesn't ruin the show. Uh
1: man. Well, that's just because you don't think Dick Grayson's sexy.
0: No, no. I think <laughs> Alfred's sexy. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh it's more, I'm more of a Poison Ivy kind of guy.
1: Sure. Well, hey, that's, well, I'll have that in a couple weeks. Yes, uh, yes, yeah. finally. Uh,
0: yeah, I remember watching this as a kid. It, we're about like in week three of the show airing on Fox. And I was like, yeah, you know, the Joker and Mr. Freeze, all all the people that seem very cool, the powers and, you know, interesting mental illnesses. <laughs> and here's this guy. As a kid, I was like who is this guy? He's just a guy and he's got no powers and uh, I thought that was interesting. I was just like, I was not used to seeing that sort of a crime story in a Batman cartoon like this uh, mm-hmm. that was starting with some of the bigger guns like Catwoman and Poison Ivy and, you know, the rest.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. It's It showed that they could do it's an early one where they prove they can do something interesting with a character who wasn't really on like the Adam West show or any of the movies before like mm-hmm. without without the cultural cachet of you of the Joker or whatever uh you can just go into this and like they have to prove to you that the Clock King is a worthy adversary for Batman you know a nerd with glasses who's on time all the time how can this guy do anything to batman they convince you of it they actually make it work
0: he's good at planning and also surprisingly good at fighting batman yeah so
1: you know i i took that to be hey he had seven years after his brain broke uh and if he's that dedicated to punctuality then he could i think when driven can give that same dedication to uh, probably working out six hours a day, you know? Working
0: out his brain, studying yeah. all the Batman math. <laughs> so we open on a, a filthy Gotham subway station inside of a, a filthy subway car, and the doors slide open, and this uh, very well-dressed stern man holding a briefcase and a stopwatch boards, and he says, basically, the theme of the episode, it's about time.
1: I le- You yeah. know, on my third rewatch of it, uh, <laughs> it was like, Oh, that's great. That's the first line. That is that is perfect. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I remember, this is related, by the way, when the Back to the Future game came out uh, in 2010, the uh, Telltale adventure game, the first episode was called It's About Time. And I was like, wow, that's so clever. And then I saw, oh, a million time travel things are called It's About Time. Yeah. Well, so it's right. not really that clever.
1: <laughs> it's what everybody's first thought is. Yeah. I but I, I, yeah. that
0: was the first time I saw it in 2010. I'm like, wow, <laughs> how did they think of this?
1: I was like, you know what? I one negative I'll say on this episode, too, is could have a better title card. It's just like a bunch of clocks. Yeah. Like some of boring. the
0: title cards aren't great. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are just very basic and, and you know, bare bones. You
1: remember all the great ones. But yeah. But also, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that a guy like Temple Fugit is obsessed with trains. Let me mm-hmm. just say that. too.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, you're totally right about that. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how, I mean, it's a very intentional, but... He's undone by the train, basically, or by Hill on the train. And then Hill's future as a mayor has to do very much with making the trains run on time, which Mm -hmm. is the thing you say about a guy who people don't like well you know at least he makes the trains run on time
1: yeah it's perfect it is a great like children's politics episode and and yeah i mean it all is mirrored so well like all these things back and forth like this this setup here if you get getting on the train is also if you get's mistake uh like many an awkward anxiety-ridden person is he mistakes like he's like, you're. hey, I see you every day. You're my friend. It's like, he doesn't think about you that much, the other guy.
0: Yeah, Mayor Hill is on the train. He's buried in a newspaper. Uh, he gives just basically an unfriendly hello to Mayor Hill. Hill does not remember him. And the man introduces himself. He says his name is Temple Fugit. And he's annoyed Hill doesn't remember him, even though they've been riding the same train. And he points out, for one year, seven months, and 13 days. <laughs> Damn. Yes.
1: Man, he's, uh, yeah, and it's, well, this was also when I realized, like, I guess as a kid, I'd never thought about that a mayor uh, or any politician was something before they were a politician. Like, you just know, like, well, yeah, that's the president. He's the president. You don't think about it. But this, this introduced me to the idea that, like... Well, the mayor wasn't always the mayor. He used to be like a lawyer on a train who would later run for mayor and and
0: be elected. Anyone can be a mayor or a judge. You could be like a boat dealership owner and become mayor.
1: Yeah. I I should say in general, you know, in Batman comics, there's been a lot of mayors, but there's no, like, in Batman comics, there's always Commissioner Gordon. Like, you know, the police commissioner Mm -hmm. is. And if it's not Gordon, that's part of the story. You're like, well, why isn't it Gordon? But when it comes to the mayor... The mayor of Gotham is so interchangeable like there's million uh, mainly because they get killed a lot but there's no like famous mayor of Gotham like named character. They're
0: definitely there to be hostages mm-hmm. and to be slightly threatening to Batman but uh, Hill remembers Fugit as the uh, efficiency expert because you know Fugit mentions how long to the day they've been riding the same train together. And all Fugit has to say is six minutes behind schedule. So he's more concerned about the state of the trains. But Mm -hmm. at this point, Hill tells the Clock King to chill.
2: You seem pretty tightly wound this morning, Fugit. I have an important court hearing today. There's been a $20 million judgment against my company. My attorney has appealed. But if we lose, it's the end of everything. Temple, let me give you some advice. I'm a lawyer. Trust me, I know these things. If that judge sees you looking as tense and haggard as you are now, he'll think you were up to something. Loosen up, do something to relax before you go into court. Get out of your routine for a few minutes. Do you take a coffee break? Of course, every day, at three on the dot. Then take it at 3.15. But my schedule. Forget your schedule for one day. Believe me, it'll make a new man out of you.
1: You also can see that Fugit's uh, a freak because he has a laptop back like in the 80s. (laughs) Yes, whenever
0: this takes place. I mean, we see a copyright in 1972 on a watch, but Mm. the Batman time period is so fuzzy, but there are computers and laptops and things (laughs) like that. Even a laptop in 92 was bizarre.
1: Oh, man, I love the the animation on Fugit's reaction when being told, like, uh, you know, well, just uh, take it at a different time. Like, what? what my schedule the wages I was like my schedule oh so good and- I, I sort of
0: became more clock king like during covid when i couldn't go anywhere or do anything where it's like i always eat at the same time every day for no reason mm-hmm. i don't have to eat at 7 30 <laughs> but something in my brain tells me at 7 30 you must have your dinner now because yeah. it's the way things have gone on for months and you have to do this or someone will probably die
1: <laughs> well i also like the fugit is a man of the people like he's riding the trains you know every same with mayor hill like honestly yeah. future mail at mayor hill yeah and uh also, yeah, that fugit. I mean uh, yeah, he's told to take his coffee break at three fifteen, and I see later he doesn't even do that, but the flaws in his plan here is that he's like, oh, well, we've had the judgment against us, and we have the appeal today. I certainly think that the appeal. They would have lost the appeal anyway, but this gives him a reason to blame somebody other than himself, mm. which makes, which is what makes him a villain instead of a hero. And then we find
0: out later hill was, uh, his firm was representing the plaintiff in yeah, the case. Yeah, yeah. I <sighs> mean, whatever the case was is not that important. We don't know what business uh, Fugit was in or uh, what the case was about, but mm. we just know it's his undoing.
1: I mean, law firms are big. Everybody, yeah. You know, like you, you wouldn't know every case you're. Uh, fellow partners in a law firm recovering, but it gives Fugit just enough of just, like, you know, he's honestly, he is a bit uh, conspiracy-minded as yeah. well, like uh, like a crazy person. Uh, they do, I
0: think they do a good job of justifying him changing his schedule because he could easily say, I'll wait until tomorrow. Uh, this is very important, but Hill says if the judge sees you in the state you're in, you're going to be found guilty or you're not going to win this case, mm-hmm. so you need to relax right now. So that gives him uh it, you know uh enough inspiration to do it instead of saying let's just wait until friday or m- maybe next week i'll relax
1: when temple views hill as you know a confidant and he actually trusts his expertise because he's like hey i'm a lawyer i know you're going to look really guilty because you're incredibly tightly wound so uh you need to relax some he and and he has also just like it's about time." Another great line of like, it'll make a new man out of you, which yes, is what happens. It really did. <laughs>
0: I, and actually I'm realizing how much I am like collecting by going over these notes <laughs> because he goes over a schedule, including very mundane things like coffee break and check weather. And I use a, a Hobo Nietzsche planner, a very oh, yes. expensive planner, which I love. I've been using them for like five years and I write down unimportant things to do in it because it feels good to check them off. Like I'll remember uh, to thaw out the salmon, but if I parade it down and then check it off, I'll get like a little boost in my brain. <laughs> that, that's how uh, I'm wired. Oh
1: man, it's, uh, you're gamifying it yourself. Yes,
0: yeah, but... so I'm giving myself experience points. <laughs> that's Ooh, wild. I leveled up. <laughs> and yes, by the way, Temple Fugit is a pun on Tempus Fugit, meaning time flies in Latin.
1: Clever. Yeah, very it's, clever. It's, it's
0: no one's actual name. I'm mm. sure there's maybe three people named Temple in the world, but they figured it out.
1: Well, and again, the, the, that's not the real Clock King, or that's not the original comic book clock king name it's way better honestly like Mm -hmm. i'm glad there's uh they they went in this direction with the guy and
0: we're gonna do bios on the actors behind hill and the clock king and bios on those characters but one thing i wanted to say is they rarely say the clock king i think batman is like some kind of clock king or something
1: he's (laughs) not for like i am the clock king batman (laughs) he's not into the theming he's just he's a punctual guy who i mean i guess he's into theming with his um with his staff and his glasses yeah i guess he is yeah. i don't know if the glasses
0: are supposed to look like that uh in the real world or if that's just the way like light is reflecting on them in a clever way but i don't know mm-hmm. if he's wearing the the time hands uh glasses himself i don't know if he picked those out
1: you know he's glad well it's not the way his eyes look in his glasses in the first scene Only right. after but yeah it also in in batman animation style it could read as the lines of his eyes and then like his cheekbones meeting the eyes so it it could work as either yeah
0: so let's talk about the uh actor behind the clock king alan rachins as the clock king and Alan is mostly known for a TV show that was very popular in its time but mostly forgotten today and that is L.A. Law Mm -hmm. and he played Douglas Brackman Jr. Uh, (laughs) so L.A. Law very very popular throughout the uh, mid 80s to early 90s it's still on the air at this time I believe and L.A. Law recently resurfaced in social media because there was an episode in 1992 starring Dan Castellaneta as a man inside of a Homer Simpson costume Mm -hmm. and he's in the costume and he's doing the voice and the entire uh, L.A. Law episode is about this guy in the mascot costume complaining like i can't do my job it's too hot in this <laughs> and by the end of the episode the entire jury is in the homer costumes
1: right right have yeah. you seen this clip henry i've seen okay. the clip yeah it's it, it's going all around and it's the the first time anybody has thought about la law on twitter ever like it's a completely forgotten show i remember it is like again a parent's show like uh it was like a sexy show that had I I remember seeing the only other time I remember seeing LA Law mentioned on anything is it was like on one of those lists of first time a gay thing happened in some mm. context. I think it was one of those you know, it happened even up to about like fifteen years ago where a one uh, an actress on the show, her character would get a girlfriend for like two episodes and then go back to dating men, but they would mainly just do it to have Two girls kiss for an episode to spike the ratings and then instantly stop writing any gay (laughs) storylines in the show soon afterwards.
0: NBC won't let us do anymore. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And Dan was in that episode and it was about Homer because Fox produced the show for NBC. Ah, right. It's one of those things.
1: It was one of those back in the day before uh, most things on channels are produced by the same uh, pr- a production company that may- that owns the channel. Mm. Yeah. Uh, his other most
0: notable role is of Dharma's hippie father on the equally forgotten Dharma and Greg. So oh, there boy. you go.
1: That sounds the like complete opposite of the Clock King. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> and
0: also, I was looking up Alan Rachins. What else has he done? And he was also the spokesperson for Breath Assure uh, with George Kennedy. Now, oh. Breath ashore was a breath mint product that promised to freshen your breath from inside of your body but they could not prove that actually worked so by the late 90s the company was defunct. Oh, I see. Yeah.
1: I I did see his like most recent credit is on Young Sheldon. He was even mm. or one of his most recent so he's still still active as, as an actor.
0: Yeah, like with a lot of these guys just a zillion character actor roles and maybe one or two regular roles on a sitcom or drama or mm. something like
1: that. I mean, years and years on LA Law I guess it probably doesn't get him a bunch of like syndication money since i don't think it's one of those highly syndicated shows or anything yeah
0: and also as uh, mayor hill we have lloyd Bachner. so lloyd Bachner, he passed away in 2005 at the age of 81 he's a character actor an incredible amount of acting credits though his most famous role is of the protagonist of the classic twilight zone episode to serve man
1: Oh, okay, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, which is unfortunately
0: <laughs> has been overwritten by the Simpsons parody of it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that was the only reason I have watched it to be like, all right, what? Well, I, that was the most recent time I watched it was when we did the first Treehouse. I was like, all right, I should watch this again. It's been, it's been a long time, and obviously the only. Actor by name, I remember in that one is Richard Keel. Uh, oh, right, uh, yeah,
0: got himself plays the the lead alien.
1: <laughs> to us, he's Egon, not Jaws. Yeah, Egon
0: is his number one role. <laughs> yeah, and I believe he reprised that role because they did a parody of that episode in the Naked Gun Two.
1: Oh wow, man, that's you know I watched a million times one and three, but barely any of two. <laughs>
0: And also, uh, Lloyd Bachner played Mayor Hill in eight additional episodes of this run. Uh, Two episodes of the new Batman Adventures, and he also played Mayor Hill in Batman Vengeance. And like I said, uh, countless roles on TV shows over the course of four decades. If you turn on MeTV right now, (laughs) there is a very good chance you will see Lloyd (laughs) Bachner. But his most notable recurring roles were in Dynasty, uh, the short-lived early '60s crime series Hong Kong, huh. and the Richard Boone show.
1: Okay. And I
0: wish I knew him more, but I think the name Lloyd Bachner has been thrown on a mystery science theater a lot. Yeah, it like, sounds
1: like one of their names. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you'll hear a riff like "Lloyd Bachner is the most dangerous game." You'll think <laughs> I, I should think this is funny, but I'm not. I wasn't born in 1960, so I don't know what it means.
1: Uh, that's. Boy, Dynasty right up there with L.A. Love being like a very important show for its time, but no longevity. They don't. I feel like the, you know, I guess we'll see how much in another 10 years from now, how much do people talk about like The Sopranos or Mad Men? Breaking Bad. Yeah, Breaking Bad. Like, you know, Breaking Bad, I think, has been boosted thanks to its spinoff just ending recently. Mm -hmm. Like, but yeah, there's, well, technically, I guess there was just a Sopranos prequel thing, which was uh like ova level fan (laughs) service uh, of of, uh, sopranos fandom yeah it's uh but but la law dynasty totally forgotten but he's he'll live forever as the voice of mayor hill Mm -hmm.
0: and a brief note about mayor hill in this show he's a bit of like a stuffy bureaucrat he's just kind of like a stuffy guy complete with the mid-atlantic accent But in the comics, he's actually a villain. We talked about this last episode. He only has political powers, not superpowers. Uh, And by the time this started airing, uh Hill was basically a ten year old character uh, he had existed for ten years in the comics, so he's a fairly new character for Batman, but yeah, he was like a corrupt mayor in the comics, but here he's very benign
1: wow wow okay right i i actually if, if, for <laughs> i don't associate Mayor Hill too much in the in the comics but yeah he's uh i i when I think of him, I think of him in the show, which is i guess that too is for a kid show. They break some rules, but I think they don't want kid. Probably some standards and practice rule was like, you can't have kids, uh, distrusted authority figure this much he can't have an evil mayor yeah and this one he's actually
0: pretty good because we see he actually gets things done he does make the trains run on time he actually supports uh, infrastructure and uh, mass transit
1: yeah i mean mayor hill actually supports mass transit he's not like privatizing it to a bunch of companies or like shutting down tunnels into towns or making it so low-income people can't live somewhere like yeah it's Uh, It's kind of impressive in him. That's something else, too, in this episode that would make it a deeper mystery, but they don't really have time for it. There's nothing about who's running against Mayor Hill. Like, yeah. if there was more time for the Clock King episode, uh, Batman would probably first investigate the guy running against Mayor Hill because this would be, he'd be the first person to benefit from attacks on Mayor Hill. That
0: is true. I never thought of that. But I guess he's like the incumbent, so yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a sure thing. It doesn't matter at this point. It's, <laughs> it's in the bag.
1: Uh, yeah, you know, in, in Gotham... Well, also, you would think in Gotham you'd get a lot more of these like tough-on-crime guys mm-hmm. in Gotham. They just
0: let Batman solve everything. It's just yeah. like, yeah, no matter how many cops we hire, the Joker's still going to mess things up. So, uh, you know, Batman is not on our payroll, and that's good.
1: <laughs> I think that we well, said it before, but like, the, the Gotham's like the only city that would justify all of the armored cars and any gigantic police budgets that exist in the real world like if Gotham was real uh then it would make sense to have that many kind of like armored cops there but yeah every police you know.
0: car would be a tank yeah if Gotham yeah. was real so we see uh Fugit's office he's working intensely on paperwork we see him abuse a clerk because the clerk brings in a sack of papers. He complains that he wanted those five minutes ago, and he tells the clerk, "I know how long it takes to photocopy thirty-seven pages, and you took longer than that." Uh,
1: this see, this lets you know he's a jerk. Like yeah. you shouldn't feel too bad for him. He's he's a manager torturing his employees. You know, he's he's not a great guy.
0: And you can see all of his employees are basically trained to work around his schedule because the secretary comes in at three on the dot mm-hmm. with his coffee for his coffee break, and this is when uh, he hears the words of Mayor Hill echo in his head. You know. <laughs> get out of the office wait until 3 15
1: that that was when it felt like yeah this is where they feel it's a kid show and they don't trust you that yeah, much yeah. yeah
0: yeah uh but then he tells miss perkins the uh, secretary put that coffee in a thermos <laughs> and she almost goes
1: what uh, yeah her it's uh, i feel like her action is by the animators they think that like a slide whistles coming in in the <laughs> soundtrack like whoop
0: like luckily the musicians or the composer was a little more had some had some self-control oh
1: yeah well i mean it, the sherlock walker and her team they know how to underplay moments like that yeah
0: and i, I love the, how the show takes its time you're going to hear that a billion times throughout the series but in here i love him trying to relax like i guess this is what relaxing is like and i felt this way too where it just you keep working you keep working and then when it's time to relax you're like well i, I need like the uh energy of stress to keep me going what do i do now and that's what he's doing here where he's like well what do i do I, I just sit here i just I, I just have my thoughts what's going on here but eventually he's able to let his uh himself relax his shoulders droop a bit he breathed this sigh of contentment so uh over the course of like 25 seconds he learns how to relax a little bit
1: and that's like instantly it, that it, it shows that that was a mistake to him at least i this was also the first time i noticed that in the shot of him going to sit down in the park you see the clock It actually says 305. Like, he didn't even take it at 315. The most he could wait was five more minutes.
0: Oh, that's great. I missed that little bit of storytelling. So, he couldn't push it to 315. That's great. Five (laughs) minutes is what destroyed him.
1: I mean, uh, the animators might have just screwed up on it, uh, but I prefer to view it as they drew 305 to show, like... He thought he could make it to 315, but the only thing he could do is wait till 305.
0: And hey, the mayor told him 315, so he can still do that ironic uh, execution on the mayor later, yeah, right? Yeah.
1: he's getting it to him anyway, of like, 315 yeah. was what you told me, so yeah, yeah.
0: But as soon as he's able to find peace, this is when a uh, ball hits him square in the chest. The kids are, like, tossing a ball back and forth. And uh, he, what happens to him is what we all fear as adults, children laughing at us.
1: Oh, terrifying. Yes. Man. Yeah. I, again, you walk. I walk by teens every now and then, and I'm just like, man, if one of these kids just laughed at me or made fun of me, I would just cr- crumple into a ball in this airport right now. You don't you know? make
0: eye contact. You turn up your podcast. Yes, keep walking.
1: Yeah. <laughs> if you insult me, I, I won't even hear it, so I won't start crying. Uh, yeah. Teens
0: can't know they have that power against us. <laughs> so, yes, uh, because of this, the papers he brought to the park that he planned to, you know, check out on his break. They scatter across the park. He's running across the park trying to grab them. One page falls in the fountain. He climbs up on the fountain. He's reaching over to grab it. That's when this little shit-eating dog sneaks up behind <laughs> him, barks, and he falls into the water.
1: Uh, you know, he looks a little like Snowy, the uh, Tintin's dog, at yeah. least in shape, not obviously in color. Snowy's white.
0: But... This is like a little Rascals gag, though. Is, his, yeah. his his undoing.
1: <laughs> it's that's what makes it so funny, too. That like in in tragic comic that the thing that destroys this guy is basically like a charlie chaplin short yes so. <laughs> oh
0: definitely like a three stooges gag uh, yeah yeah so
1: and then, and then he's doing this i kept forgetting like oh wait is this i i kept forgetting that it's the same day like he said today i have this appeal judgment so that's why this makes him late he did it on the same day yeah,
0: yeah a lot of it is just like the bad day that undoes a man uh <laughs> these episodes and let's hear more of his bad day
2: due to his failure to appear this court finds your client in default summary judgment against him stands at 20 million dollars no you can't i'll be ruined then perhaps this will teach you to be on time for a change
0: A lot of ambitious push-ins. Oh
1: man, straight into his mouth, into yeah. the into the mouth of madness. I, that is such a great line because it's one of those things where somebody corrects you on a thing you're never wrong about, or like, no, it's what I live my life by. Like, if somebody, like, if somebody were to say to us, like, well, maybe you should know a little bit more about the Simpsons then <laughs> before you say so. But I
0: know everything.
1: <laughs> no, it's not my fault, but. <laughs> Yeah, I figure he already lost this case. I don't think they were going to win appeal whether he was there or not. But him showing up lets it be blamed on his lateness, and then he can blame Mayor Hill for that instead of instead of whatever it was his company did wrong that caused them to get... I mean, what did they do wrong? They got a $20 million judgment against them?
0: In 1992? Yes, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah but very ambitious animation-wise because we push it on the court in animation, and I love the design of the court. It's very impressionistic. There's no people there. They're just like the shapes of a courtroom, and the sound design is just a ticking clock that you heard in the clip. It's just, it's so perfect and so impressionistic and very, very noir, and yeah. that's why I think that scene rolls.
1: Oh, and the background's all black. Like, yeah. It makes it feel like a nightmare, or yes, like one of those like dream sequences in a an old noir film of just like you know just shots of a a judge on his bench with just darkness behind him as he points at him like you're you're seeing this nightmare that few get lived through you know (laughs)
0: Yeah, and I think the last episode had us pushing in on a guy's mouth too and then yeah. we we cut to a new scene. So they're they're into that move and I like cuz it's hard to pull off in a TV quality animation of this time period. Mm-hmm. So on the screen we see 7 years later and then there's a beat and then we see 8:57 a.m. So ah. even the episode is uh very time obsessed.
1: That's very clever. Yeah, yeah. And and 7 years means that Batman didn't exist uh like he had not you can assume Batman's only really been in operation for like five years mm. or so when the show starts. Like, there was no Batman seven years ago. So, yeah, it it fits. It fits. Mm-hmm. And
0: we see uh, Mayor Hill in the back of his limo. He's being escorted somewhere by a motorcade. He looks at his stopwatch and closes mm. it with purpose. Now he's looking at
1: the clock, yes. watching the time.
0: Uh, and now we're at the corner of uh, Second Avenue and Wiesnerst, which is named after the background designer Keith Wiesner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are lots of signs and names in the episode there's a lot of like uh references to people's names in just this episode specifically
1: yeah they really hit it hard i i got a, a not wiesner but i got the names of all the comic book people mm. to get named here yeah
0: and now uh, six minutes into the Batman show we get to see <laughs> Bruce Wayne uh, much like Mayor Hill in the beginning his face is buried in some newspapers Alfred is chauffeuring him around and he asks Bruce uh, Alfred asks Bruce do you want to stop somewhere for breakfast because we all know the meals at these fundraisers are ghastly and this is when you hear about uh, I mean in our world in the real world you hear about like the rubber chicken dinners at these uh, political fundraisers oh, like yeah. it's always the same bad catered food I usually hate catered food as someone who I had to eat a lot of catered food at events at, in the press. Uh, it's usually pretty bad. It's all just salt. It's just yeah, like, this is yeah. cheap food, dump salt on it. <laughs> also a vegetarian, eat an entire mushroom. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like eating an entire mushroom? You can put it between a bun, you can put it in a burrito. All we have for you is mushrooms.
1: We cover that in salt too. Yes. Yeah, I mean, well, and Bruce, unfortunately, he can't even take advantage of the best thing among these functions, which is open bars. Is like is Bruce Bruce Wayne does not drink. That's what bad. a loser. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe
0: he'd calm down a little bit. <laughs>
1: uh uh, he maybe he'd unwind a little too. Yeah, I think
0: him and CM Punk should hang out, <laughs> but knock back a few. Uh,
1: but but you know Bruce Wayne actually CM Punk loves Batman. It's one of his really that that makes so. a lot of sense. <laughs> but uh, but yeah no I mean uh, this this is a cool thing they they've done in a lot of comics and in other things too where. Bruce Wayne isn't just, you know, this gad about playboy. He goes to these things because it lets him connect with the powerful people in person, like, and get, get rich guy secrets out of them that Batman wouldn't normally get to hear.
0: Yeah, even in the car, he's kind of like an ass-kisser to Mayor Hill. He's kind of defending him, saying, you know, I don't think Mayor Hill would want to poison his supporters, Alfred.
1: <laughs> yeah, see, Batman, you should be, you know, Batman should be independent and objective. He should, he, he should be doing his Batman thing no
2: matter who the mayor is. I
0: agree, yeah. but something is amiss in Gotham.
2: Really? If he were in a hurry to get to the food, he'd be ahead of us instead of behind us. i take it taxi drivers are no longer required to obey traffic signals climb off it geezer you had the red it's nobody's fault look the traffic signals are malfunctioning
1: (laughs) uh bruce is a good mediator (laughs) yeah he's doing his best i i mean yeah this is a great first step in his revenge plan he's like yeah i'm gonna make everybody late how do you (laughs) like it now hill like that's where he started seven
0: years but now everyone is late
1: uh and you know what if i was going against Hill, i wouldn't get him on like things not running on time anymore or whatever i would use the fact that like he's weak on crime his own district attorney became two-faced this that's true this
0: guy's bad But, I mean, if you are a criminal, you want him to be weak on crime, right? You don't want to point that out. Like, (laughs) he
1: should be locking me up. (laughs) That's true, yeah. No, if I was running against him, I would say... Guys, you can't trust this guy on crime. His two face is, is his old DA. Look at all these photos of him with them together.
0: We need to start investigating Mayor Hill. Yeah, uh, but we see the clock king. He's now in his clock king uh, costume, which is kind of the same as his old costume, mm-hmm. really. Except yeah. he's got a cool like clock hand sword that I think is awesome. Yeah, I mean it's like
1: it's like a sword cane that's always a sword. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. And it's yeah.
0: sharp enough to slice Batman's costume. Yeah, uh, he pulls out this sinister remote control. And back on the street, we see this uh, New York cabbie that we heard Jeff Bennett uh, (laughs) earlier talking about mayor over the hill. Nothing works right in the city anymore.
1: Uh, I mean, hey, I love that. Like a taxi driver pointing at the mayor and going like, you suck, mayor. Like, that's great. Yeah.
0: And Alfred comments, you know, this won't bode well for his reelection. And Bruce figures out. No, and that may be exactly the point, Alfred. (laughs) So uh, somebody is trying to make Mayor Hill look bad. Bruce has already figured it out.
1: Yes, Uh, he is the world's greatest detective. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) And uh, Bruce looks upwards at the figure at the top of the building. It's the Clock King. Uh, And this is when the Clock King extends an antenna on the remote, presses the switch. Explosions ring out, but they're not to destroy anything. They're to unveil this graffito-tagged banner of Mayor Hill (laughs) uh, with the text, Time for a change. So... (laughs) uh yeah he's trying to take down mayor hill through uh you know uh advertisement basically
1: yeah but again you gotta you you know you can make him look bad but who's his opponent in this you know is he incumbent? he should be he should be lifting up the other guy i agree yeah
0: Uh, mayor hill is pissed needless to say and i love this scene of batman transforming because bruce wayne he goes into the famous wiesner building (laughs) and we see the silhouette of bruce wayne like running up the stairs to the windows and then gradually he transforms into the batman costume Uh, as he's running up the stairs
1: that's so great like it it really feels like the kind of storytelling you'd see in uh I want to say Will Eisner's the Spirit this kind of which mm-hmm. definitely was an inspiration to Bruce Timm and his team but just the the way of like just sh- telling a story through a series of silhouettes. Like, that's, that's so great.
0: It doesn't really make sense, but it's cool. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you change into the Batman costume while you're running up flights of stairs. As
1: fast as you can, yeah. not slowing down at all. But again, he's Batman. He can, he can just do it. Yeah.
0: And this is when Batman meets the Clock King.
2: Well, well, the Batman. It's about time you showed up. I suppose you want to know why I've brought downtown Gotham to a standstill, Batman. Hmm? Huh? Well, let's just say it's because I'm a civic-minded citizen with a lot of time on his hands. I want some answers, wise guy. Talk! A pity. I don't know what to tell you, Batman. Except perhaps that... The 915 is always six minutes early.
1: Yeah, I love, I just love his bravado. This dork, this dork, uh, mouth off to Batman. And like when he's able to escape through such a cool, like just, uh, and his escape route is I know when t- trains arrive, yeah. uh, that the, the look on Batman's face is dumbfounded. He's like, what? the fuck just happened here? <laughs> and I
0: think he knew. Well, I've been studying Batman, we find out later. I know when he'll be up to the top of this building, and that uh soon after the train will arrive, so I stall with a cool speech. Until then, then I tumble <laughs> backwards off the building. I love the shot of him tumbling backwards, and then you see him standing on the train as it goes into the distance.
1: And his spinning watch just flung at Batman and then just explodes. The Batman's like, what the hell? Like, yeah, Batman doesn't know what to think of this guy. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's another power we didn't mention. He has uh he's got the sword cane. He's pretty acrobatic, and he also has these stopwatch, like, bolo explosives that can wrap around your legs or just, just explode things when you <laughs> throw them at people. Cool. Yeah. They're
1: pretty cool. Uh, it seems like he learned a lot about bombs in those seven years. Mm-hmm. But I guess, you know, it's time bombs, and it connects. I could see him learning a lot.